0: Welcome to I Quit My Job, a podcast about songwriting, with your hosts, Travis Reitzma and Derek Harrison. I quit my job. I quit my job. I quit my job. I'm free today.
1: Hey folks, Travis Reitzma here. Welcome to the 12th episode of I Quit My Job, a podcast about songwriting. Today we have a great episode lined up for you. We'll be talking to Sutton, Ontario native David Newberry... Uh, who's now residing in Toronto. We recorded this interview the day after Bryce's interview, Bryce Jardine's interview, in a very hot and muggy Blue Street studio in Toronto, and so there is some street noise, some background noise you'll have to uh, put up with, but maybe maybe it adds something. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm really excited about this episode. I think it's my favorite interview so far. I met David 10 minutes before we hit record, and I was immediately struck with how sweet of a dude he is. Derek has known him for a few months, I believe. Uh, he met him uh, well at, one, at, a, at a show in Toronto, uh, and ever since then he's been telling me how great of a guy and how great of a songwriter he is. And after familiarizing myself with his catalogue, uh, which is three solid albums deep with numerous side projects, and after talking to him here, I completely agree, uh, he's really great and a really nice guy. I feel like David and I, more than anyone else we'd had on so far, have a ton in common in terms of how we approach the craft and how to navigate the often crippling self-doubt that often goes along with it. Uh, he has a kind of prof- He's had a, a kind of profound effect on me, actually, uh, since that interview, in terms of taking some of the pressure off myself that goes along with writing songs and just allowing what's ever in there to come out. Uh, he's also a, pl- a fairly political songwriter, which I definitely identify with. He's been called uh, a staple in the Critical Canadiana subcategory of songwriters, and we'll, we'll talk about that and his assessment of that rather vague label, among other things. David is just about to release his fourth full length album, which we'll get into in the podcast. And we also touch on his path from Sutton to Vancouver and back to Toronto, and the influences of various Canadian music scenes throughout that journey. So, without any further delay, here is our interview with David Newberry, certified good guy, certified excellent songwriter. Hope you enjoy it.
0: Of us are pretty new to Toronto. You moved here how long ago? Uh, March. March. Okay, so you, yeah, very new, very new, still. So, how's that? How's has that? Is this your first time living in Toronto? No,
2: um, I grew up in Ontario, uh, oh. and I lived here when I was nineteen for a year, um, and then uh, um, I spent the last ten years at West, but I've stayed pretty connected to the city. Yeah, like okay. I, uh, um, I've got lots of friends here. My family's still in Ontario. Yeah, your um,
0: sister was at that gig I saw in March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, and uh, I came and lived in Toronto for three months last year, like kind of as a, as a test out. So it's yeah, it's not. It doesn't feel that new. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also uh, felt way different than I than I thought. Was I, I, expected. I, yeah, well, I've moved around so much in my life, and it's never been like a challenge, or it, it doesn't feel like that much of an adjustment. Uh, but I guess as you get older that changes <laughs> like, so i get a little I, more set in your ways yeah i felt significantly more uprooted than i had thought for something mm. because i mean i just travel all the time like it's, it's, i just didn't think it was i was like just where is my stuff you know right. yeah it doesn't, uh but uh but yeah i definitely felt uh like i kind of t- tore myself out of a community and and, and dropped myself in another one uh, without any plan and with, without really thinking about it it was, uh. it was a very busy time when i left too so it just kind of like it was all done and then i was in toronto and
0: it's a bit like whiplash yeah whiplash yeah, for sure yeah.
2: but i think in the last uh, couple of weeks actually i've started to feel i went to my hometown fair like they have, the sutton fair it's called it's, okay. like, it's like the 160th <laughs> year it's older than canada um <laughs> That's and uh being there as twisted and 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 sort of rough and tumble as that town is uh
1: uh i was like okay i'm here
0: yeah mm-hmm. and then you realize like that was what connected you back to Ontario yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I had
1: to go back to where it all started. So where where is Sutton exactly?
2: It's 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 not that far. It's like an hour north without traffic. It's it's okay. the, the four hundred four at now ends there. Okay, so okay. near Aurora and that sort of green belt. Yeah, it's yeah. the further north. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. but before hmm. Lake Simcoe.
2: It is on Lake Simcoe. On oh, lake there Simcoe. you go. Okay.
0: okay. okay. Cool. It's, so it's a nice here. area. Yeah. I
2: love that yeah. lake.
0: Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Excellent. So, is it what what why did you decide to come back to? Uh, why did you decide to come to toronto
2: i mean i think that ultimately i was never supposed to go at west for 10 years um, <laughs> i was supposed to go out and do a, a one-year master's uh, uh and uh and then you know life just kind of kept cruising along out there and so it's really um i was always planning on coming back it just took nine years longer than i than than i thought so I it was mean,
0: always on the horizon but it just put off put off, put off. yeah mm-hmm. yeah totally
2: mm-hmm. um And, uh, I mean, my girlfriend's here, uh, my family's here. I I do a lot of sort of musical work with all of my family as well. So, um, and, uh, as I was mentioning before we started, uh, doing the interview, I, I'm, I'm at a stage in life currently where I'm not really super excited by the notion of big, long tours. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's really hard to do that from Vancouver, where like the next gig is Calgary you yeah know? So exactly. here here in you can Toronto again stuff, yeah, yeah I mean you could play There's every town places. every like you know you could just you could play every weekend of the year yeah. um, and, in different uh, towns in different mm-hmm. towns and and actually live somewhere yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. and uh, and so the sort of um uh yeah it's it just it's a
1: lot easier to take that approach to music here mm-hmm. hmm. do you find that because you live in Vancouver right. Mm. So did you find that it was very isolated then? Like you said, the next gig is Calgary, but did you find that the scene itself was very isolated in that way? I mean, it's a small enough city that there's like an, a, a
2: level of insularity, you know, like, mm-hmm. like that uh, there's definitely things that are kind of Vancouver famous. And um, <laughs> uh, and the city's also small enough that it can be a little bit more clicky than, uh, mm-hmm. than out here. Out here, it's just so big uh, yeah. and there's so many people around that it's just sort of impossible to... In, put yourself into like a tiny little scene without other people finding out. But mm-hmm. uh, in, in Vancouver, um, the, the scene kind of self isolates. It's, uh, so there's, 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 you know, the pockets of like the, the roots rock guys who just mm-hmm. hang out with each other. And it's the same 500 people that are, that are, that they're drawing on for every show. And, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. uh, so that, that turned some people off, but I, I really liked it. Um, mm-hmm. it was just, it was just like, there was, it was unambiguous. Yeah. yeah
0: I think that environment's always really good for like starting out. Mm-hmm. And for and for developing mm-hmm. into a mature musician, and then you get to that point where you, where it caps, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. I kind of feel similar about Montreal, where I was for almost about five years. Right. Well, so.
1: and Windsor's like that too. It's, it's like it's closer to Toronto, so it's easier to get out of that, mm-hmm. I guess. But uh, but yeah, it's very. Yeah, I think it's yeah.
2: a. It's a. I think it's a small city phenomenon. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. a small Canadian, yeah. small like small Canadian city size mm-hmm. phenomenon.
1: I was noticing uh, we were listening to Desire Lines, your mm-hmm. latest official release, mm-hmm. um, and Derek and I were talking about how we've interviewed a few people from BC, Taylor Ashton from Fish and Bird, mm-hmm. and we've uh, and Ra- well Rachel spent some time out there as well. SJS is well. from there. And S- Sarah Jane Scouton.
2: Love Sarah Jane Yeah,
1: and there's this sort of we've been noticing there's this through line with the with the Vancouver or BC folk scene that there's something about the sound like maybe it's melody construction or. Instrument use or whatever it is, there's a something you can delivery. almost pick out that it's a it's a BC folk act.
0: You see, for me, I'm still not convinced. I know what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> well, because I can pick it out. I can be like, oh, that person's from BC, even if I've never heard them before.
0: Actually, you did say that about Dave. Yeah, and you didn't know he was. From I didn't know, know he was from BC.
2: I, I mean, that's interesting. Like, uh, <laughs> I mean. My friend Jaron Freeman Fox. I don't know if you guys uh, have talked to him ever, All but have right. met him. Yeah, yeah. He he, he talks about the difference um, between Vancouver music and, and Toronto music scene. He's somebody who spent a lot of time in both scenes. Where in in out in the West Coast, it's sort of like you know this is a struggle, but as long as we're having fun, uh, then then you know we'll we'll keep going. And uh, um, versus the more. Typical Toronto attitude, which is like do whatever it is that you have to do in order to make the greatest possible art, mm-hmm. um, which probably creates better art, but uh, but it has a you know a more jagged edge to it, yeah. um, uh, because you know it's a little bit more like survival, yeah, based, yeah. yeah, and uh, a little yeah, there's there's more of a push behind it, um, and so maybe you're, what you're hearing is the is the is the lack of that that edge.
1: Uh, maybe I don't know because I really like it me too. I mean, yeah, there's it's something really... it's something about there's this I don't know to me it, it, it's a melody construction thing and that could be like you say just because you're all essentially copying each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I, I just love there's there's a certain way it's not traditional folk per se I mean obviously with Sarah Jane Scouton there's some of that a bit yeah. more. Yeah. but but generally speaking, it's not necessarily traditionally folk although there are elements of that, but it's almost like you're fusing it more with traditional rock. Mm -hmm. melodies and there's sort of that mix between the two it just sounds like a very different kind of folk than Ontario folk to me
2: right yeah and I mean (laughs) that might I think again that's just like you know there is this a pocket of of, uh, a very large pocket in Vancouver um around guys like uh the Sumner Brothers or uh uh, the Wild North um uh maybe Steve Broccoli um Mm -hmm and uh and and folks like that who are very much like they do make traditional sounding folk music mm-hmm. you know uh um but yeah i mean that that's certainly what i what i try to do uh mm-hmm. is, is is to infuse those things you know like i i uh all of my friends are folk musicians but all I don't listen to folk music like I can't stand nope. it uh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, Sarah Jane obviously uh, is, is, a, is a very important exception mm-hmm. uh, uh, but uh, but I listen to like weird music and mm-hmm. and, and and sonically um, like I the, my problem with the like I really like production mm-hmm. so um, so and, unless a song is like the most perfectly crafted song ever uh, then uh, then I then I I prefer that there is some sort of sonic element in there, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and um, and something strange about it. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: what well, really strikes me sonically, and that ties back to that Vancouver or West Coast sound for me, is that first More Love record. Mm-hmm. It's got such a cool production to it. Yeah. And the spaciousness, like, I don't
2: know. It's so spacious, and it's really like, um, All of My Lakes Lay Frozen Over, I think is what that album was yeah, called. That's yeah, that's the one. Uh, yeah. It was interesting. It's so sparse that I didn't notice how complex the compositions were until Mm -hmm. I saw them play it, and I was like, "Wow, this music is really—it's kind of whacked out." Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, but it's—they're like—they just zone in on this this thing, uh, and they just get like. It seems to me that they're just so close to the notes that they're playing. And Mm -hmm. um, uh, Emily Brown is Emily Brown who's in that band. I don't know if you've Mm -hmm. ever seen her play, but she becomes (laughs) so tiny when she plays, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's actually like. I, I'm envious of it. Like when, when you watch Miss Emily Brown getting into her music, like when I'm more into something, I become like more bombastic and I tend to yeah, yell yeah. louder. And you and lie yeah, on yeah. get on the floor in the Cameron House. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like so, when I get excited you about something, that I become bigger. Other. And when Emily Brown is getting excited about her music, she gets smaller and it gets quieter. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And uh, and I really I really admire it. I've uh, you know just sort of like yeah. I've, I remember doing one bar show with her in Calgary and she didn't. I was playing by myself and I think I was trying to be as loud as possible and then she came up and actually Steve Rockley was was her backing band. Oh that tour? Yeah, that's yeah. the tour. Yeah, yeah we, we, we played with her. her. Tour, we yeah. played with her. Did, oh, or, did yeah, we open for her? At, at the FM,
1: yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah so I,
2: I caught up with those guys in, in, in Calgary at the time mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah I was just trying to be as loud as possible because we were in like a a, a, like a beer bar mm-hmm. and uh, and she just, she just didn't. She mm-hmm. was just like, mm-hmm. no,
1: I, I play, I write this kind of music. And, yeah. Um, well the FM, it was interesting because in the FM lounge in Windsor rest in peace. Uh, there was there was a bar above it called the Loop, which was a dance bar, and so you could hear people stomping on the floor and <laughs> the bass, and she's down there playing the little auto harp stuff, yeah, yeah. you know. And it's like, it, it's actually kind of at frustrating least had the band at the time, but you could tell, you could see it in her eyes. But yeah, she was annoyed by the yeah by the yeah. Noise. I mean, that's the trade off is that mm-hmm. then you have to get
2: annoyed by the noise. And, yeah, and I also love making as much noise as possible. <laughs> uh, it's it's my generally preferred state. Well, I think um, it
0: was on your bandcamp page where you used the words um, like my increasingly loud, or increasingly noisy yeah. Music? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and that's a trajectory that I've certainly been on. I mean, my, my oh. first record was very, you know, it was, it was me and an acoustic guitar, and then we added a few other things. Do you
0: self-identify as folk? No. no.
2: I mean,
1: because no. everybody else seems to identify yeah, that way. Yeah, explain <laughs> you <know, also>, right? <laughs> Or uh, Canadiana, critical Canadiana
2: critical was the word. Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> um... Well, I mean, it's like Americana, uh, but from Canada. And the, the, I mean, the critical part, I think, is just people political. observing that I that, that I on occasion take a political. Yeah, on oh, okay. There you go. Uh, That's kind of what I figured they meant by that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, it's it's tough. Um, like you could debate forever, sort of, what folk music is, you know,
1: and and. And, um,
0: and we do. On we this did project. this morning,
1: <laughs> and this morning we were talking about how it kinda it can almost stand in for anything that has an acoustic guitar yeah. in it. We yeah to... but that that that,
2: <laughs> that 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 acoustic guitar thing, that's what bugs me about it, right? Like me and, too. And the way that I the way that I listen to music, it, it it's it's actually I mean I understand that there are there are conventions and things like that, but it's it's baffling to me that like the the way in which the sound gets transferred from the string into a speaker makes a genre has a, a genre, has a genre. Yeah. like yeah. That, yeah. that, that like if you're playing an electric guitar, it's not folk music. Like that, that mm-hmm. that's, 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 that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I
0: think Steve Rock is a good example of like, yeah, definitely folk, but like vast majority of the time he's playing a telly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: definitely. Um, and, uh, um, so I don't, I don't know if myself, I, 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 I like identifying as a, a, a as a folk musician in, in the sense that like, I, whatever instrument I'm playing or whatever instruments are around me, my focus is always on, is always on the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm trying to sing about people, mm-hmm. um, both for myself, but also as a service to people, you know, to try to make observations about mm-hmm. the human condition and to develop them into a story and then to, uh. Uh, and then to to act as kind of a mirror, or a journalist, you know, like reflecting yeah. society back on society, and, and 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 that I think is what folk music
1: originally yeah. sort of set it to, lyrically too. driven, uh, sort of stuff. And, and and your music is very lyrically driven, mm-hmm. which which may be why you get lumped in there. Yeah, and I don't lot. I don't mind it. It's a, it's
2: a, it's a very kind community, and it, and the, the mm-hmm. community it's, a, it's not so cutthroat of a community. But I mean, like this record that I'm putting out in September, it doesn't have an acoustic instrument on it. You know, mm-hmm. There's no there's no I think maybe one song has like a, a, a just a strummed acoustic guitar, like okay. in the very back corner of the left headphone. Mm-hmm. Um, and other than that, it's uh, it was made with with rock musicians. It was mm-hmm. made with uh, a guy named Kenton Lowen playing the drums. He's Dan Mangan's drummer and plays in oh, yeah. a lot of wild free yeah. jazz bands. Um, and uh, my guitar player, Matt Campbell, is like he was he's been in like prog rock bands, you know. And mm-hmm. So it, and, and
1: that name is really familiar to
2: me.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. Matt Campbell. It's Matt. probably a lot of Matt Campbell. No, team. I know, but like as a
2: guitar <laughs> player, I mean, yeah, it really does weird. ring a bell. Yeah. Yeah, he's been in a bunch of bands out west. Um,
0: What's interesting to me is the difference between that and also your second record, um, which is pretty electric based. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the show, like, I've I've never seen you play with a band actually. Right.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, um, I I haven't sort of I've I've got a sort of a community of people that I've been playing with out here, but I haven't managed to kind of put together an outfit quite mm-hmm. yet. Um,
0: yeah. Is that part of the? Is that in progress?
2: yeah absolutely um i i think uh,
1: uh i'm just having bass player problems
0: mm. in that i don't yeah. have one i think that's pretty that's common.
2: a that's a
1: common problem
0: yeah <laughs> uh so uh <laughs> there's I've lots, got lots of
1: basses but very few really good ones yeah
0: <laughs> very few that aren't too busy uh
2: yeah that's, that's true. absolutely true um yeah. but i found a drummer uh named josh turnbull who uh is is absolutely the uh once i mean it was great playing with kenton at west but the problem is that once you play with kenton everyone else is disappointing yeah and uh, <laughs> yeah. and so josh is, is the, sort of the first guy that i that i, that I really felt like um kind of mm. gel with yeah. i think it's a i really like drummers who are not sensitive <laughs> yeah <laughs> who me too hit super hard but and so like who like went to jazz school and got really good at, at that but like listen to a lot of Dave Grohl play the drums you <laughs> yeah. know like that that kind <laughs> yeah. of that, or, or, yeah um John Bonham but uh like that's 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 uh, like I, I like it to be weird but I but I but I want that I want you that to the be power. the loudest yeah you yeah,
0: the aggression in it
2: yeah absolutely yeah yeah that because I because I'm I'm not super aggressive uh but either in my playing or in my in my composition so I think it um it helps kind of bring it up
0: mm-hmm. yeah so you recorded the record before you came to Toronto
2: yeah, I made it in Vancouver right. with a guy uh, named Jesse Gander, who's brilliant, and banks like punk and hardcore records. Yeah, like, yeah, hmm. yeah. Japan Droids is the big is, is his big seller, but he's been working. He's he's been making records since he was getting paid in candy. <laughs> Not even mm-hmm. like He made his, the first time he made <laughs> a record on a four track. The band that that was much older than him uh, paid him in candy.
0: So this was like because he was a child. Yes, yes yeah uh, at the time yes and he just hasn't stopped
2: no he, he never stops and, and he's like it is, and he's a uh, uh, rain city is the name of his place now um and they just moved into uh to a beautiful studio in vancouver that unfortunately i, I was in their old place but um uh yeah this is he's a fantastic guy he's absolutely brilliant he's never stopped making records ever. that's impressive he's, mm-hmm. yeah 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 wow
0: that's really cool so, so how did he uh no you go ahead travis
1: uh, I was I was gonna well if yours is still about the the Vancouver no, stuff the records okay because I was gonna go kind of back I was reading on uh, on your bio on the website that you kind of got into music in a weird backward way yep uh want to talk I bet about you're that sick of telling this story. <laughs> yeah you probably are It's <laughs> like yeah but it's no, 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 no. an it, I know I know it pays the bills it's uh, an interesting story though
2: yeah so I had uh, when I finished high school um, I came and lived in Toronto for a year worked in like uh, Bay Street uh, law firm, sending faxes, mm. um, which was terrible. Um, and uh, eventually, basically, I, I moved back in with my parents. And my dad's a carpenter. And I was like, OK, I'll, I'm going to learn this trade from my father. And then maybe this is what I'll do with my life. And uh, and then in uh, 2001, I, I, it turned out I wasn't very good at it. Uh, <laughs> but I made a critical error. Uh, and and uh, cut my hand very, very badly uh, on a table saw uh, because I, I fucked up. Uh, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was wild. You got, I got to see the whole inside of my hand. Um, but, uh, yeah. For the listeners
0: at home, I'm yeah, cringing I'm very violently literally... it, was, it, was, it was
2: wild because the hand is a very difficult area to control pain in. Oh. So they just pumped me full of painkillers and I was just so stoned and it was also at a, I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, the hospital was full that day and they didn't really have time to deal with me right away. So I was on yeah. a gurney, like in the hallway so high that I could just like look inside my hand without really freaking without out. Without it freaking out. Yeah. yeah. I was so, so, I mean, I have very vivid pictures that scare the hell out of me now, yeah. but like at the time I was like, I mean, that that is, cool. that's what they, like it looked like bad movie makeup, right? Like it was it looked like B movie, uh, horror film kind of huh. stuff. Real injuries look so fake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and anyways, um, I started doing physiotherapy after that, and and uh, my my physiotherapist uh, was like, "Do you have a guitar or anything?" Like she just like, you know, here, maybe you should drum on the steering wheel with your thumb and just get going through these like little mm-hmm. little exercises that I could go through. And 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 uh, I was like, "Yeah, I have a guitar. I'm a teenager in Ontario." <laughs> um, and uh, so I, she was like, "Play it all the time." Just, just get better at it, and so uh, it was sort of a mechanism of physiotherapy, and and uh, and then that's when I started and it writing stuck. songs. Yeah. yeah, it stuck.
0: That's interesting. But so I'm not actually
2: you... very good at the guitar, so I, I'm so so to this day. Yeah, in the sense of like technically, I'm I'm quite bad at it. Uh, and this like if I try to play cover songs, they usually sound pretty crappy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the same way. <laughs> and
1: uh, and so I had to write my own songs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, do you think you would have eventually done it anyway or do you think the carpenter thing would have stuck or something else would have stuck and you just never would have done music on a serious level i don't know uh i mean
2: i'd been a a bass player in some punk bands mm-hmm. um
0: that's how i started too yeah uh, the ontario uh it's
1: the way in apparently <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah it's it's um uh uh, yeah,
2: it's, it's, it's impossible to know. I don't think so, really. I mean, mm-hmm. that's like...
1: That wasn't your plan, in other words. No, it
2: was not at, not at all my plan. I liked the idea of it. And I had, uh, you know, my, my actually, my first actual recording is called Songs About Cutting Your Hand on a Table Saw. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no more copies of that. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, uh, no reprint. No, it will not be reissued. I, I listened to it once, like a year ago, and I was like, "That was not as cringeworthy as I thought it was going to be." Yeah. There's a couple of moments in there that uh, that, that I was like, and I like, I'm playing the drums too, and I don't, I still don't do that. Like, I don't. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Huh.
0: So then, when he decides to move to Vancouver, what did you study?
2: Well, that's
3: the like. So
2: the other thing is like I I was trying to learn how to use my left hand hand by playing guitar, but I also really couldn't use it very much uh, for like a year. Or so I, right. I was like, well, will go to school because you only need a right hand. And <laughs> uh, and I went to Trent University for for Canadian studies. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a hist-
1: history style type thing. No, it's inter 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 interdisciplinary.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's like you take Canadian history and Canadian politics and Canadian oh, literature okay. and Canadian, yeah, uh, yeah it's um, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it was it was cool. I liked it because it had flexibility. because yeah. it was interdisciplinary. Uh, and then um, while I was there, I met a woman uh, that I subsequently fell in love with, who lived at West. So uh, so I went to school at West uh, to for master to her and did a masters in uh, political theory at Uvic. Okay.
1: Yeah. So that's Hence you... your Critical Canadiana. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm starting to see why they call you Critical Canadiana mm-hmm. now. Yeah it's, like infor- yeah, yeah. it's informed by some, some real academic background.
2: Yeah, yeah. At <laughs> <Absolutely. absolutely. laughs>
0: argue intelligently. Unlike me, when I try to write political songs, they're just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting,
2: like, I don't... I mean, I, I do get sort of called a political songwriter, um, but for the most part, like, I don't really write, like, like issue songs, you know? They're not, no. like, Dylan used to call them, like, finger-pointing songs, you know, like that. Yeah. I'm not, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, like... there singing like no no pipelines
1: you know Um it's uh, more subtle i think so yeah Yeah, that's what i've noticed it's more that you're telling a story about someone affected by something bigger you know it's like implicitly critical of that bigger thing but through a personal story kind of yeah yeah totally um like
2: the thing that i try to do is i like i don't i try not to sort of beat people over the head with the story Mm -hmm. um both because i I don't think i'd be good at it um (laughs) and it's not not a particularly interesting thing for me, uh, when, mm-hmm. when, when, when that happens. Um, and I also like people to be able to find their own way into the story. So what i what I, what I try to do, and, um, this is something I think that basically like, I've probably learned this from, you know, like the tragically hip even, but they like, instead of telling a story, you describe what's taking place around the center of the story, sort of what, uh, you know what the what, what the person in the story might be seeing, right? Uh, and uh, and and so the the, the the politics are in there. Uh, but again, like I like i was saying, I I try to act like a mirror. You know, I'm mm. only my songs are only political because the world is political. Mm. Yeah. If the world was completely free of politics, um, <laughs> so what <are> your songs be? <laughs> yeah. Uh, then I would I would have nothing. Uh, yeah, they would be something different. Yeah. Yeah. I like that approach.
0: So how do you approach uh, finding a subject when you write?
2: I don't. Yeah. Um it's it's very rare that I set out to uh to write a song about a topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it almost always fails when I do. Uh, so I I kind of um just hold the guitar and uh, uh, and then hope. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's guitar and it's hope really the recipe really for songwriting. inefficient songwriting method. <laughs> I'm so
2: slow at writing songs. Um, yeah, I um I uh I kind of usually try to find like a line or two and then from there, you know, maybe decide uh what the what what the song's about. Right. Um so there's yeah, yeah.
0: So you're in Vancouver mm-hmm. doing a masters. How do you fall into the music crowd there?
2: It was it was through uh the kind of folks that you're sort of talking about. Um I was living in Victoria, uh and uh I was living with a woman named Terry Upton, who uh, at the time was the bass player in a band called The Gruff. And one of the two singers in The Gruff was a woman named Jenny Ritter, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, who I uh, became very good friends with. And then, and then um, she is very good friends with Fish and Bird, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that was kind of my, my, my into that little world. Um, I think I mean you know the I feel um, we, we would have found each other eventually anyway but uh, but yeah that was that's how that happened and then I, I moved over to Vancouver and I just started playing a lot um, mm-hmm. as much as I could uh, and uh, way over playing and then and then you know you just kind of eventually your names on enough posters people people are gonna be like who is this guy yeah I was really lucky when I first got there I went and uh, I played a show and uh, there's a, a musician there that I that I'd only kind of known. He stayed with me in Peterborough once he was passing through. Same as Rodney D. Crew, um, and he's a brilliant songwriter and uh, he uh, he was very kind. Like a, he he sort of noticed me and said I like the songs and started coming to the gigs. And started telling his friends uh, mm-hmm. he hooked me up with his producer who made both my first record and Desire Lines. John, and John Wood. John Wood. Yeah. yeah and uh, and with. The label that I put all those records out on, uh, Northern Electric, Uh, and so that that was a good that was a good little boost, and then you just kind of keep chipping away. I think a, a lot of the main connections that I got ended up coming from this weird little festival. Uh, that takes place on August Long Weekend in a tiny little town called Wells. And the festival's called oh, yeah. Arts Wells. Arts Wells, yeah. And I lived up there for a while. Uh, so I, this is the first year. I went to Arts Wells all, for 10 years in a row. This is the first one you missed? This is missed? the first one I missed ever oh. in the history of the festival. I, I wasn't around for the first one, uh, which was like one stage in a corner of a field. Um, <laughs> and uh, and got to watch it grow for 10 years. And, and uh, last year, they, they gave me sort of like Saturday night main stage, I think, as a a, a polite retirement gift
0: yeah they're like yeah okay yeah well they need Move to switch on. it
2: up right like so they, i mean their festival needs they don't to, want to look the same people every year yeah, yeah exactly, exactly so but right. it's so fun that every artist wants to go every mm-hmm. year you know so they're mm-hmm. just sort of like you know i remember when they first when they first started like it was a huge year when they got jeff burner who's an accordion player and they're like oh we got jeff burner this is amazing he's like the biggest act the festival's ever had and now they can't get jeff burner not to come
0: yeah. <laughs> like, he just he's just I'm there anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. show up anyway no matter what. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> play in the workshop tent. Yeah, and not, yeah, that's that,
2: that that's like for for probably the first 5 years of my music career, every single opportunity that I had or uh element for growth or connection that I made could be traced back to Wells in yeah. some way or another. Yeah. And it probably still.
0: Probably still. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely got a lot of uh word of mouth. Yeah. Um clout. From and people yeah, I, I mean, talk to even the country.
2: the folks that I that I know in the scene in Toronto, like Sarah Burton and mm-hmm. uh, Andrea Ramelow, and mm-hmm. uh, um, and folks like that, like that's that I only know them. So I'm able to like come to Toronto, land here, and be like, oh, I'm immediately ensconced within this like roots corner over here um, mm-hmm. because of the Arts Walls Festival. You know? <laughs> so
1: that's, yeah, it's yeah, a long I mean, way from here. It's well, yeah, and I've heard of it too. I think it's it's one of those festivals that just yeah sort of grows.
0: Yeah. And uh, and then Adam Iredell Gray, he's got his uh, he's he's started the festival, hasn't he? Yeah, he's got. Have he you been to that one well, the main on Main? Yeah, area. this
2: is again the first year that I missed it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, How, how's Bay that? Music Festival. Um, it is where uh, Rachel and James met.
0: Really? Oh yeah. my God. That's. Um, <laughs> it's an amazing
2: festival. It's great because it's on Main Island, and and mm-hmm, so you got to take it. a little ferry to get there. How
0: but long I've, have they been doing it? Five or six years. Okay, so it's not um, as new as I thought it was. No,
2: no. Uh, it, but again, the first two years. Like the first year, it was very little. I think that, you know, the bathroom facilities were like a tarp wrapped around a hole in the ground. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> now they have a, a permanent stage and, uh, uh, in the field. Um, and uh, he has just, I made my, my second record, uh, no one will remember you there, when it was just a house. But um, he's done a ton of renovations over the last year and turned it into a proper studio. Yeah. Uh, and it's just a gorgeous place to be like when i remember whenever i'm there i think like i think like you know when when i was 13 and i was like man it would be cool to be a musician like that's what i was picturing you know like that that, like just you know 500 studio on island little people in in a sheep field (laughs) and uh people are super into music and then recording there yeah i've I've done it twice and the first time we were there for like almost two weeks and you just wake up and drink coffee and then record and go for a hike on the ocean yeah is that when you made the second (laughs) record yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, um, and, then, and then we would just play music all, all day and then rehearse into the night and then wake up in the morning and start again. It was just <laughs> perfect. Like re-entry into society after that was harsh. Yeah. I was just like, well, I have to go to work? Like, that's impossible. <laughs> like, wow. And then I tried to go make a second record there and uh, we all got Norwalk. And the bands we just, we just vomited for four days and then called Norwalk. it off. Norwalk virus. is, uh, <laughs> is a... Uh, sounds it's horrible. Flu, like, <laughs> vomit and
1: etc. cetera. NSA, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that that completely derailed That record it. did not get made, no. Did no. the, the songs end up on other things? No. No? no. Still they have were another... bad.
2: Like, they, you can hear it. Like, at the time, we couldn't hear it, but now, now you listen back, you're like, these people are about to get very sick. <laughs> <can tell. laughs> <laughs> it's like, it not a good performance. Funny. Um <laughs> Some of the songs like one of the songs is on this new record that I'm putting yeah. out now. Uh, and I think like basically Desire Lines got made instead. Right. Uh, yeah. is there
0: any overlap there? Uh
2: of the songs? Yeah. Um yeah, yeah, I think okay. so. I but I yeah, yeah, definitely. Um uh like we were supposed to record uh, Observer uh at at the at the Adam Millerdale Gray sessions and that that made it onto Desire Lines mm-hmm. instead and uh and actually, another version of it is on my new record. Okay, as well. we mm-hmm. recorded a couple of songs from Desire Lines. So um,
1: I have a record like that too. It's just lost. Just yeah, did, it lost just didn't record. happen. And I and when I when I wrote a new record, I didn't want to include anything from it. Yeah, because so it felt like it was just not the place for them. You know. Yeah, totally. I did yeah.
3: like the the.
2: There's a, a song that we finished um, there that Adam and I had been playing on tour together for months and. And we were really into it at the time, and I, yeah, I, I listen to it now, and
0: I don't, I don't even understand yeah.
2: the guy who who composed it, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's from another time. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then you went back and worked with John Wood again.
2: Yeah, I went back and worked with John Wood, yeah. uh, who's just a lovely guy to work with. And it's, I mean, it's, he's he's pretty lo-fi, too. Like, it's, you know, I'm, I'm we made that whole record with a 57 and a 58. Like, that's, hmm. that's... Uh, Excellent. That's it. Which are microphone styles. So. Both,
0: re- like the full record as well? Or just Desire Lines.
2: Just Desire Lines. Uh, the first record I did with him, I think we used it. Was a bit, it was a bit more complex, mm. but uh, yeah, Desire it just Lines doesn't
1: sound like it's been like. I mean, it kind of does have a lo-fi sound to mm-hmm. it, but but that's a positive for sure. Yeah, that's cool.
0: Mm-hmm. I I guess Michael Jackson always just used a fifty-eight for all his vocals. Really, that's the story. Yeah, no, that's yeah. what I heard. Wow. Yeah. Because like, he I just... was so used to controlling, like, his mic yeah. control.
2: Oh, right. Yeah, right. that makes sense. Um, I was I was just in, uh, there's a guy named Devin Lowheat in town. Uh, he plays his, his own band called Altered by Mom uh, and used to be in a band called Beekeeper. Another guy from out west who just moved back here around the same time I did. And uh, he, uh, w- uh, we're doing this project. You know, this is like this this very tired phenomenon of, like, folksy covers of pop songs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I, you know, I apologize more if, if you if you are enthused by it, but I hate no, it. Like no. it's sort of like I think it, it should have peaked when Alanis Morissette did like Lady Bumps. Yeah, uh, that was awesome. <laughs> and then it should have been like, and we agree this is the best that it will ever be. Yeah, and then yeah, we and never need to do it again. So my 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 tiny riot, my my resistance against it is that I'm making a pop covers full production, songs. full production pop record uh, of of folk songs written by my friends
0: uh, um, <laughs> so like covering like your you know covering contemporaries yes covering that, my contemporary
2: it's tough because it's hard like you know when somebody like jenny ritter say who's writing i love so much it's very difficult to translate it into pop music because the the lyrics are so organic mm-hmm. like you, it, it just sounds bad so yeah. it's, i'm having to like sift through a lot of a to lot a lot of right folk sounds. music to find songs that like are believably pop songs <laughs> yeah, um, but they're there yeah. and uh and, but yeah but anyways the reason that i told that story was we yeah we the first track we did we just did i did scratch vocals with a 58 and it it sounded
0: brilliant and you once
2: you a, compress the shit out of it and use an auto tuner well, sure. uh, but, <laughs> um, uh, but
0: uh but yeah yeah so, so yeah. when you went in to make the new record uh what your third full length yeah um what sorry what's the name uh, replacement things replacement things that's it uh what did you did you go in like with a different mindset after the last two like learning what did you learn that you took to the new record
2: it was yeah it was a completely different process i mean it was the f- only one i've ever done in like a proper recording studio um in a city <laughs> um it was also the only one where i had a band that I had rehearsed like so we, we had
0: that had rehearsed
2: yeah with all the <laughs> uh like with um with no one will remember you like I didn't even meet I met the drummer at the airport uh uh and when I picked him up um and <laughs> we we would rehearse at night and record in the day and then rehearse at night and record in the day with this one uh, this band had been set for like a year um and we had been gigging a lot mm-hmm. uh, and so we were able to just kind of go in and make it like it, it Almost the entire record is, is done live, um, and uh, and so that was a, a hugely different uh, process. We did some of that, and no one will remember you, um, and and and, uh, and and things like that. But um, so it was it it, w- it was um, it's. A, it was like a glossier process. It was mm. it was much more you know people kind of mostly knew there was room for mistakes and, and room for, for creative surprises but mostly people who were coming in knew their parts and we were and we were just trying to capture the best performance of them and uh, uh, and we played all in one room together um, and uh, and then it's also the only one more I've ever had like my my uh, my records sound the way that they do because those were the musicians that I had available to me, right? So, um, mm-hmm. No One Will Remember You sounds like it does because Adam gave me a great deal <laughs> on his studio and he is a great fiddle player and uh, my friends play roots instruments and um, and you know, it, it was kind of a there was a rocky thing going on uh, at the time but, but uh, this album I made more decisions in advance about what I wanted the mm-hmm. sounds mm-hmm. to be And so you know we demoed a lot of stuff, and uh, the producer was coming to our rehearsals beforehand, and uh, and I and I was trying to be really focused on you know so um, we had like band meetings about like what are the keyboard sounds going to be because we Mm -hmm. we were like we only want we want it to be focused enough so there's only only three kinds of keyboards allowed so we were like okay it's like Hammond. Actual piano and Mellotron, yeah. um, and like uh,
1: only a couple different electric guitar tones. Or, yeah, 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 totally. And then
2: we spend a lot of time on guitar tones in the yeah. studio, which is something that I've just never really just sort of like yeah. plug it in and play stuff, you <laughs> know. So, um, and 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 stuff on sonics, you know. So there's one song that I play by myself on an acoustic guitar, but it's plugged into an amp that is distorted, and there's a room mm-hmm. mic, you know. So like you know, mm-hmm. think so. We we were trying to be uh, both more sonically interesting and more sonically intentional, and I was giving like. It is a much glossier sounding album, and 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 that was. Uh, I was giving something over to uh, to to the notion of of making music that sounds contemporary, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know if I'll do that again, but uh, <laughs> no. but I love the results. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: you'll go a little more rough and tumble next time.
2: I it's hard. I mean, who knows? I I I've never. It's too soon to say. Yeah, it's too yeah. soon yeah. to say. Yeah. And I have I have rarely. I mean, working with John Wood twice uh, is is basically the only time I've ever done anything twice. And there's the very different records that I made with him. And uh, um, I mean, uh, so I've never made like a glossy I'll, indie rock record before and now I have and so <laughs> maybe that's enough mm-hmm. um, I mean it's really expensive and, and and I didn't like the the part of it where I mean it was like $400 a day which is very cheap uh, given the quality of that studio and that producer but, um, but uh, it's still like you gotta pick a time to be there and then that's when you gotta be there and mm-hmm. like you know, if, if, Can't if, if Matt's having an off day, like too bad, you got to rip that solo right now. Like, uh, mm-hmm. this is the time because the singers are coming in at six and like, yeah. um, uh, so because of that, the, the, like all of the other records that I've made have had some sort of like memory creation, you know, like yeah. they, they've created moments that I wouldn't have had without that. There's yeah. not a lot of moments uh, on the new one, uh, it, like there's not a lot of times, it, like, it's, it's just a little studio, and you just like yeah. sit on the couch and don't talk, you know. So it's yeah. like, uh, or you're pl- or you're working, um, or you eat lunch really quickly. So it's it's, uh, yeah. there's I, you know, I remember it, but there's no, like, I, my mm-hmm. heart doesn't warm, mm-hmm. you know, when I think of it, like the way that when I think of no, making no one will remember you on Main Island and, and it being mm-hmm. like perfect, yeah,
1: <laughs> um, and just you know lying there and hungover, being so happy, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. So and I, yeah, I imagine too the songs dictate. Those decisions as well, right? Like, you're if if you write a batch of songs that sounds best in that environment, then Mm -hmm. you'll go that way. If you write a batch of songs you think will sound better recording on Main Island in a much more relaxed way, yeah, like I I feel like there's probably some of that, yeah,
2: totally. And then, and and the opposite as well, like, there were some songs that I had written that were too sort of rootsy, uh, and uh, this is the first time again ever I I, I handed them over to the band for some sort of co-writing, so uh. There's one song I was like, "You need to Matt, can you make this not sound like a Joel Plaskett song?" Like, yeah. uh, and then and then. Oh, would anybody want that? <laughs> um, and uh, and another song like um uh, on the album is called it's called Coyote, which I wrote and it was like, I love it, but the way that I wrote it, uh, you could only play a shuffle beat to it, uh, yeah. and I hate that, and there's no no place on the record, and yeah. so I, I it was like, Matt, make this a oh uh, uh, like a Sam Roberts covering War on Drugs song and he was yeah like, okay hell yeah and so um and uh, and uh, and so there there was there there was some some there's both like selecting the right songs uh, and uh, but there's also like some pushing yeah. forcing uh, like a round song into a square hole mm-hmm. uh, okay. a couple of times and, and I I think it really worked I mean you, you you'll be able to hear it cuz there's a song um on Desire line is called "Shiny Pretty," uh, which we rewrote as like a Neil Young rock song, okay. which is now called "Shiny Pretty Things." So now we'll and be the, able to compare. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, totally. Side by side, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So now you're uh, gonna launch it with a weekend touring. Um, <laughs> do you work in Toronto? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So the weekend makes sense. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: What do you do? If you don't mind us asking. Uh, I
2: I work <laughs> at a legal aid clinic okay. uh, that helps injured workers.
1: Oh, that's noble. You've been. I on like it. that. I have. Yeah, yeah so I have exactly. A good one. Yeah. You have a little bit sense. of an experience a calling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's so, probably going to inform inform a lot of the political stuff too. If, if, it, imagine if I, you see some, some things. Yeah, that, you
3: do. You do.
2: And you I mean, know. I've always sort of like as much as I've always done music, I've always also kind of stayed in that in that sort of like some sort of activist employ. Like, mm-hmm. I spent the last four years in Vancouver doing part time community uh, this is a community liaisoning for a homeless shelter in Mm -hmm. in North Van. so it's, it's sort of, I've I've, I've always tried to keep that a part of my life as well. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then that's the plan until like what festival season or something? You're just going to do these, uh,
2: yeah, well I'm going out West for a week, uh, in September. Um, so far Vancouver, Victoria Edmonton, uh, but probably a few other things. And, um, uh, and, uh, and then yeah, I'll kind of weekend warrior around here for the winter. And um, I, I also like just want to learn to live in the city. Mm-hmm. And I'm also like be a little planted. Old, uh, older and like eight <laughs> hours a day in the car is not exciting for me anymore. Uh, for for yeah, periods of longer than five hours, days, yeah. you know. So it's yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So do you want to play us a tune? Sure. Unless there's anything we should cover.
1: I don't think so. Do you want you don't want to talk about your your kidult songs?
2: Oh, my
0: adult (laughs) Uh, songs.
1: As you can see, I studied the bio very carefully. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I usually keep these things separate. Uh, But uh, one of the great things, like this is, I'm leaving here and then going to my guitar lesson so I can get better. Um, And then I'm going to Hamilton for the weekend where my brother and my sister and I have Airbnb'd a house. And mm-hmm. we're just gonna crank out children's music all, all weekend long, <laughs> uh, which we do under the name Scratch Garden. Oh, okay. Uh, so you can you can probably scratchgarden.com com or something. So that the the idea is that like all of the kids' music on the internet is shitty. Yeah. And it's really not only shitty, but it has bad animations and <laughs> and it's annoying as hell. So uh, we try to make kids' songs that are not annoying for so you know I'll, like, we'll be like. Let's do a song, but make it a Beach Boys song, yeah. or like or like.
1: Uh, uh, you're doing kind of like a Woody Guthrie does kids' songs sort of thing, where you're trying to make them cool in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, 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 absolutely.
2: But they, I mean, they sound, you know. So like, you know, it, it, it's growing quite a bit. Actually, it's the most popular thing I've ever done. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and we, we we never perform live, and I never will. But uh, um, but uh, you know, like we get uh, letters from from fan, like parent fans. Uh, who are like, man, you know, I love this, like, this is like, you know, I just, I, what I listen to is like Ryan Adams and Wilco, and, mm-hmm. uh, and then my kids came along, and I had to listen to shitty music, and now I can listen
1: to like Ryan Adams and Wilco again, it's just about yeah, number him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's really cool, yeah, 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 that's fulfilling to you on a, on a different level, I suppose. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I, I have a, bl- I, I really like recording, so, and I've got
2: a little home studio, and, uh, and, um, it's, it's, I like it for the same reason that, like, I've been playing bass with a few other people recently, and I love that, and I and I like it. For this is the creative process for me, though I enjoy it, and it, and it is, I extract, you know, the entire meaning of my existence out of it, is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm very precious and, like, a bit sensitive. Uh, yeah. So, but if I'm just, like, I can crank out a great sounding kid song in, like, an hour, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. and... Uh, <laughs> Um, so it makes oh, you feel productive, in other words.
3: It makes you feel productive, and it's so <laughs> like
2: it's the, the the weight of the world is on me while I'm doing. it. You yeah, know? Yeah, it's not like yeah, I, yeah. I don't have to like in in you know in my in my songwriting like I everything has to be. Like, I don't think that I'm a perfectionist. I'm just very slow, and yeah. and I want it to be right. Yeah. Um, and not even in the performance. Like the performance, I think should be full of mistakes, but the like, yeah. the composition should be perfect. There should yeah. be no wasted words there should be no lazy metaphors there mm-hmm. should be like no easy rhymes no should... no
1: bridge for the sake of a bridge yeah Nothing yeah like yeah that. totally
2: yeah. uh yeah. and uh and everything has to be so intentional whereas if you're just playing in someone else's band or like recording kids' songs it's it's it just it's just the like purely fun part of it yeah. and, mm-hmm. without the baggage of of like the excruciating <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I <laughs> weight feel that. Of, of uh you're uh, like you're describing me right now It's <laughs> <kind> of, it's, <laughs> eerie. it's
1: just like damn it
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> amazing yeah. Oh, speaking of course. so you do play uh, in other people's bands. I know you play with Savvy, right?
2: I played with Savvy when she came out here, yeah. And then okay. I've been playing bass with Sky Wallace as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, and uh, I'm talking about starting up a band uh, with her guitar player, uh, Benjamin. Mm. All right.
0: I'm well, to play some it. music. Yeah, let's do Sounds it. good.
2: Yeah. I, uh, I was on a tour last summer in uh, southern Alberta, and I landed in this little town called... High River, which had just been sort of devastated by the Calgary floods that had gone through the year before, and it was still a mud pit, uh, and it was just it was being rebuilt. There was it was comically, I mean, it's tragic, tragic comic. There was like mannequin, well, there's like mannequin parts on on roofs of houses, and I saw like a computer keyboard in the middle of the field somewhere. Like it's still they were they're were at that stage of rebuilding. Um, and while I was there, I met a, a lovely young couple uh, who. One was an environmentalist, and uh, one was an oil worker, and they were both married, and not to each other. Uh, and they had come to the suburbs to have an affair. And in my head, that's that's, you know, like the High River is a suburb of Calgary, and Calgary's where you know all of the oil sands head offices are. And then this flood rolls through that is almost surely worsened by the changing of the climate. And and and, and then then meeting this couple, I sort of, I started to think a lot about the consequences of consequenceless living. Um, and uh, that's, that's where this song comes from. It's called Replacement Things, as is my new record. So
3: uh, it goes like this. We don't go into battle Just to give up on the fight But from the lay of the water it looks like something ain't right Where you're gonna need a diamond if you want a diamond ring. We're just searching for replacements to replace replacement things. They boarded up the windows where the river got too mean. Built the gates to keep the famine. From the trenches on Main Street you find safety in the suburbs Where you take your pretty feet And where you sealed your own fate With your lips upon my cheek There will always be a river rise in spring, we make our own undoing, with every little thing, I say the things I say, it's true, and I say the things I said, I fall in love with all the singers too, but I don't take them all to bed. And all this money that she get in, digging right out of the sand, it can't be piled high enough to keep the consequence from lands. There will always be a river. It'll always rise in the spring make our own undoing With every little thing Levees just delay our fate We moved the earth until the weather changed Footprints we left on the banks that day Water rose up and just washed away. There will always be a river. We'll always rise in spring. We make our own undoing with every little thing. There will always be a river. Hey we're just searching for replacements to replace replacement names. Yeah, we're just searching for replacement to replace replacement flames.
0: That was our interview with David Newberry. I recommend you all go to David Newberry to hear more of his music and catch a live show. You can listen to all 12 episodes so far by visiting iqmjpod.com or by subscribing to I Quit My Job on iTunes, and that way you can get them downloaded directly to your phone. You can also keep in touch with new episodes by following us on Facebook and Twitter by searching iqmjpod. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. <music> I quit my job I quit my job I quit my job I'm free today